0: Welcome to my amazing Yukon Life podcast. It's time now to sit back and fill your gold poke with nuggets of knowledge as we pan through stories of desperate struggle, wild adventure, love, despair, and untold fortune, recounted by those with the tenacity, determination, and grit to survive and thrive amidst the magic and mystery of Canada's Yukon. And now, your host, affectionately known as Trapper Dan. Yukon's renaissance man, Daniel Haley. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today on the very first episode of My Amazing Yukon Life podcast. Now, of course, you're wondering what this show is about and perhaps who is it for. Let's start with the what it's about portion. This show is a series of interviews with me and guest speakers who we select from our audience of people who live in Yukon, people who have had some adventures, people that have had some struggles and have learned how to overcome these struggles and are willing to share their stories with us on the air. Now, this doesn't disclude people who have since lived here and left because I'm seeing lately on the Facebook pages that a lot of people who are no longer living here have incredible amounts of knowledge in regards to, let's say, the Alaska Highway being built, for instance, or the fish ladder, or power dam, or walking barefoot on the Chilkoot Trail because they didn't have the right shoes. Now, these kinds of stories, of course, are fabulous stories, but to have them told by the person that lived that adventure, that is where the real gold lies. Because only that person can have those subtle nuances, those subtle little giggles or chuckles in regards to the dilemma they found themselves in and how they overcame it. Now, although this title is My Amazing Yukon Life, There will be some stories that I'll share with you because I have had some amazing Yukon adventures. That's for darn sure. But more importantly, I'd like you to think about it as our amazing Yukon lives. This show is far more than just me. I just want to be the medium to get these stories onto the air and shared with the world. So what exactly is coming up next, you ask? Well, more interviews, of course. And if you have already hit your subscribe button on your podcast player, thank you for that. If you have it, just go ahead and hit that button, and what that'll do is it will put you in the queue for when the next episode comes out, and it'll simply give you a little ping on your phone, your mobile device, saying that there's another episode that came out and you can download it now. So that's called your weekly mail, M-A-Y-L. So thanks for doing that, appreciate that. Here's a bit of the backstory on how I earned the name The Renaissance Man. It all started when I moved up here in 1996. I moved up with my wife to Dawson City, and I was taking a teaching job teaching music. I just finished a five-year degree at University of Manitoba, we packed up all of our stuff in the pickup truck, and up the highway we came. When I got to the school, however, the job that was supposed to be mine was actually not available, because the band teacher decided to stay another year. So the principal asked, how handy are you? I told him, well, quite handy, actually. What do you got in mind? well, we got a welding class, got a woodworking class, some math, maybe a little bit of social studies. What do you think? And I thought, well, sure, we've come this far, like not about to uh, turn around and go back. That's for darn sure. So that ended up being a career that was pretty interesting to say the least for the first year. But more importantly, the year in Dawson City in 1996 was the 100th anniversary of the Klondike Gold Rush. So the celebration going on through that town was out of this world. And not only that, the people who were there were absolutely amazing to me. They were fabulous in every regard. They would take you into your homes. They would invite you over for supper and take you fishing. I was learning how to run a chainsaw, fix a skidoo. All these different things that were so new to me that I thought, geez, I'm going to embrace this. sounds Sounds like a great thing. So I staked a gold claim like everyone was doing, or at least I thought everyone was doing dug a few holes in the ground, cribbed up some mine shafts, did all that stuff, and I learned some new terms such as schist and granite, garnet, magnetite, all those different words. So I was becoming a little bit of a backyard prospector. Not very successful, but definitely enjoying myself. The one word I was hoping to actually add to my vocabulary was gold. And of course, I just became one of the many men who toiled for gold under the midnight sun. And of course, the people around me who were successful miners, they'd come over every now and then and look and go, wow, that's ambitious. And I wasn't sure if it was sarcasm or if it was actually a a compliment saying, yeah, you're kind of ambitious. But in hindsight, I think it was a little sarcastic. But regardless, they told me what I should be looking for and how to find it and how to pan. It was actually quite a good experience overall. Now, the rest of the time I spent scooting around on a little motorcycle and visiting places like the Shenandoah River, up the Dempster Highway, Indian River, and basically finding out about the history of the area. And of course, I knew a little bit before I went there. However, when you start to talk to people and you see what's been done in the past and how this incredible landscape has been fashioned through dredges, it's a bit of an eye-opening experience, to say the least. Fast forward the next 20 years... My wife and I moved to Whitehorse and we picked up some agricultural land and decided that we were going to do farming. So the way you start with that is you have to clear a lot of trees. So clearing trees with a chainsaw and a double track skidoo was an awful lot of work. And of course we didn't have water, so thought, well, let's just spend $10,000 to buy a drilling rig and end up eventually spending $20,000 to save 10000 because that didn't work. And that itself is an entire show of at least an hour. Let me tell you, I can speak to that like it was yesterday. That in itself was an adventure. Which I didn't overcome yet, but I haven't given up. And there's some more perseverance in that story, let me tell you. Over the last few years, I've built several tiny houses. And I've built some log homes. I bought a sawmill, chainsaw mill. And have cut my own cans out of locally grown trees on my property and tried my hand at timber frame, Scandinavian log scribed buildings, and energy efficient houses. And after 10 years of living off the grid and trying to run generators on biodiesel and building a biodiesel processor, converting an old Mercedes Benz to run on waste vegetable oil, and trying all sorts of alternate power things just to get by, I finally hooked up to the grid. I was fighting the power, but in hindsight, I probably should have done that years and years ago. Another important aspect to that was actually having a pure sine wave of electricity. Now, if you're trying to run any high-end electronics on uh, an inverter, it's really hard to do so because you don't have actually a perfect sine wave of electricity. Now that I have the grid actually hooked up to my house, it's given me the opportunity to actually build a recording studio. So I have a little place here. It's called Face to Music Productions. This is an area that the podcast is coming from right now, actually. And I've recorded several albums here. I've written lots of historic songs to do with Yukon. All sorts of things about the midnight sun and dog sleds and on and on and on. And also a lot of recordings by artists, singer-songwriters primarily who live in Yukon. It's a nice place to work from. And it's all possible thanks to hooking up to the power grid. And I have to say that Having power 24-7 is certainly a game changer. Now I walk around the house, I definitely make sure I turn off the lights. I sometimes unplug the little wall wart transformers. But on the other hand, I now drive an electric car. That's a bit of an irony, isn't it? Again, it's just hearkening to my curiosity about transportation and trying to make things work. And having biodiesel and trying that whole process for many years, I realize that's a whole lot of work. And it's a little bit of an an ethical question too. If you're growing your fuel and it's actually a food product, it just seemed a little bit wrong. However, I was using waste vegetable oil and trying to justify it that way, just getting rid of a waste product. So now back to my EV. This EV is new to me only three years, but it's actually 10 years old. And it's an EV that I'll be talking about in the future since there is an EV group here in town. And I think it'd be great to have a conversation with these people And to bring them online and hear their stories and their pros and cons about having one of these in the north. Now being a generally curious human being, I figured out long ago that the willing horse gets a heavier cart to pull. And that's a bit of a mixed blessing. If people know that you're able-bodied and willing to try something, they generally hook you up to a heavier cart. Now that really hasn't dissuaded me too much because I'm still curious about a whole lot of things. And I thought that now would be a good time for me to actually start to sit down a little bit, take the time to interview people who are influential to me, people who have actually been there to help me out when I get stuck. And let me tell you, I've been stuck an awful lot. When it comes to the drilling rig, I can't tell you how many people actually chimed in to help me. And not only do they offer their advice, they actually come over, they put on a pair of work gloves and they say, hey, I can help you with that. Let's get this figured out. So work is not a dirty four-letter word. And those are the kind of people that I would like to have on this show. Again, my adventures will be told by me. But to hear it from someone else, I think that's where we're going to find the real gold. And as for the Trapper Dan name, you'll have to listen to the second show to find that out. And I'm sure by now you can hear from the long laundry list of things that I've been doing in the last 25 or so years as to why I received the very honorable name of the Renaissance Man. That was given to me by my friends who've watched me time and time again run into different problems and blindly approach things with childish enthusiasm and try to persevere. Hopefully, there's some inspiration in there for you. What I like to live by is the saying of, if you're going to fail, you might as well be failing forward. I like to read a lot, and I'm sure you do too. And if you're listening to the show, it's probably because you're a voracious reader And you might not have time to actually read something, so it's often a convenience just to put on your earbuds and listen to some story told to you. So here's a quote that I found recently that kind of summarizes exactly why I had the inspiration to put this show together. It goes like this. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Now let that sink in for a second. Anytime you've had a story told to you by an elder or just a friend, something changes in your body. Something changes in your mind. You become a little bit of a different person. You walk away with a little bit of a treasure and you have to think to yourself, okay, I'm just going to let that steep for a while and see exactly what that, what that becomes later on. So what I'm hoping that you'll get out of this show is to have a story told to you by someone who you've always wanted to meet. Now, if you're anything like myself, you might have some regrets because some of the greatest people that you've known have since passed on. So I decided within the last few months that I'm not going to let that happen any longer. I want to get those people on the air, get their voices heard, and that will capture that energy. It'll capture that moment and it'll preserve the heritage of what these people have done with their lives. So I'd like you to think about that. Think about people in your in your immediate family, in your immediate wheelhouse, so to speak. People that you think, wouldn't mind sharing their story. And I know that you know there's tons and tons of stories out there that should be recorded. It's better to have them recorded, even if the quality isn't all that fabulous, if it's over a Skype phone call or a Zoom or whatever it happens to be, I'd sooner make an apology for the quality of the recording rather than apology for the not doing it in the first place. So if you're with me on that, you can simply join up to my Amazing Yukon Life Facebook group. And this will be the conduit in which you and I can connect. You can leave me some comments and some suggestions as to who you'd like to hear on the show. And I'd be happy to reach out and ask those people for an interview. Now, I know I've talked a lot. I've prattled on for a long, long time. And I promise not to do that too much. However, this is the first introductory show. And I wanted to give you the skinny exactly on what the show is about, who it's for, what's coming up, and how you can participate in this. So, one more quote before we go. This is another quote by Maya Angelou, and I thought it's a perfect one to end with. It goes like this. Try to be the rainbow in someone's cloud. Until next week, have a great week. Take care of yourselves. Talk to you soon. Cheers.